All right, well, let's turn 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18 say this in the Word of God. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain in the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, again, we come before you and we claim the blood and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we're so glad that there's power in the name and there's power in the blood. Lord, and we can claim it on our behalf this morning and know that if we've been born again, thank God, through that blood, we've been cleansed from all unrighteousness. And through that name, we have access today. Lord, I'm glad that we can pray and, Lord, bring the many needs that are among us before you. Lord, we think of, the again, the many physical needs. We think of Mike this morning. Lord, we think of this family with the passing of loved ones. Lord, we think of uh, those that are still sick among us, God, that you would uh, touch them. Lord, we think of John Hall and uh, Carolyn, dear God, and your hand of grace up, uh, on them. And uh, Lord, just uh, many needs there. Lord, spiritual needs. No doubt somebody listening or somebody here. Uh, no doubt there's even uh, somebody here, maybe people that come every week. Uh, but God, we don't want to take it uh, for granted that everybody's saved. And God, uh, we pray that you would work in hearts, uh, dear God, and open hearts. And draw people unto you. And Lord, maybe people that are going through something, maybe that people that have uh, financial need or maybe uh, looking for a better job or the young people as they're in school and uh, a lot of uh, emotional and other things uh, going on. Uh, God, you know what we're facing today. You know what we're going to face tomorrow. And God, we need you, Lord. We are dependent upon you. Lord, you said without you, we can't do nothing. And that's exactly what it means. Uh, dear God, but we're glad to cast all our care upon you, knowing that you care. Like the song we just sang, no one ever cared for us like Jesus. Lord, we rest in that truth. We rest in your faithfulness and we abide in you. Now, again, Lord, as we uh, look at this uh, uh, truth from the word of God, help us. And again, above all things, glorify yourself and build your local church. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. That was kind of interesting. Uh, yesterday morning, as I was doing my, uh, I guess, my, my, my routine or quite that, whatever you want to uh, call it, the course I, I start uh, every day with, uh, uh, the, uh, for some reason, the second coming of Christ just seemed to be, just to seem to be upon my heart the whole time as I was reading, listening to hymns and things, and, and not sure why it just was. So uh, that's what I want to uh, talk about uh, this morning. You know, now, uh, Lord, uh, Lord knows I am not a, cons a conspiracy theorist or into all that stuff or uh, uh, caught up in everybody's little corner of prophecy. I mean, you turn on, uh, you, you go on the, the web, I guess, or you lit, turn on TV, you're always going to find uh, somebody that has a corner on uh, a prophecy. Personally, I, I, you know, I, I stay away from that stuff. Even something might be right. Good. Amen. You know, I don't, I don't know if they're right, but I know the Bible's right. So, uh, you know, I, I, I stay, try to stay focused on that. Try not to be a person that gets uh, sidetracked by stuff. You know, amen. Not that there's wrong with listening to another preacher. I'm not saying that. Many of you do. Many of you tell me about message, and I'm, I'm glad uh, that you listen to that. But, uh, but uh, I'd be surprised the, the, the emails and texts and this and that, you know. And hey, you know. Uh, 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 fine. 
But, you know, I like to stick with uh, the Word of God. I like to stay focused and not get uh, sidetracked. But again, I certainly am a Bible believer. I'm not ashamed of the fact to tell people I believe the Word of God. And I'm not ashamed to say that because I'm a Bible believer and the Bible teaches that Jesus has come again, that I believe Jesus is coming again, like the Bible says. And I believe we're getting closer. And as a one song says that I, uh, I've heard, the signs are uh, uh, everywhere. And so I want to make it clear that I believe in a, tree, a pre-tribulation rapture, right? I'm not going to back away from that. And, you know, uh, I have people try to convince me otherwise than that. Listen, uh, I'm going to uh, stick what I believe the Word of God uh, clearly teaches. Amen. I believe in a, a, a pre-trib uh, rapture. Uh, just a couple of verses there that we've shared before. First Thessalonians 1.10, a matter of fact, says, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, again, which delivered us from the wrath to come. First Thessalonians 5.9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but obtained salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, uh, if you if you look at, I don't get sidetracked by this, but if you look at the purpose of the tribulation, it has nothing to do with the church. There's no reason for the people of the church to go through the tribulation. It's not about the church. You know, well, to purify the church. Hey, we got purified through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. We don't need to go through uh, uh, another uh, uh, purification uh, uh, process. Except, you know, that's been taken care of through the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's it's about uh, Israel, right? And uh you know, I've mentioned this before, but even the way the New Testament, even the way God put his word together shows you that, right? We have the Gospels. We, again, I've mentioned this many times before, but just to say it, the book of Acts is a book of transition where it goes from Israel to the church. You go through the church age, right? And then we're taken out here as we're going to read about Thessalonians. And then uh, what's after uh, 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 Paul's writings, even though we think Paul wrote Hebrews, right? You see Hebrews, right? Because after the tribulation, the focus goes back to the Jews. Uh, 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 James, Peter, and John are after the book of Hebrews. Why? Because they were the uh, apostles to the circumstances. You see, so you can even see the way God put His book together. You see those uh, those those truths uh, in the Word of God, and so uh, and uh, just uh, some notes here. First Thessalonians five four, which a few verses down says, "But ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief." Verse five says, "Ye are all the children of light and the children of day. We are not of the night nor of darkness." So again, we know we don't know the moment Jesus is coming back. You may not know the moment, but if you read the word of God, you should understand, amen, if you're alive during that time, that something is going to happen soon. We should at least understand that through the word of God. Just because we may not know uh, uh, the moment, we should have, a, a, by looking around and seeing what's going on around us, know that something should be happening uh, uh, soon. A matter of fact, first, uh, one of First Thessalonians 5 says this. Look at verse 1 of chapter 5. But of the times and the seasons. That's pretty clear. Times and seasons, brother. You have no need that I write unto you. So listen, you may not know. You can know a time period that something's going to happen without knowing an exact time. Right? You can know a time period. You know, a lot of people get nervous and even scared when you think of the seven a second coming of Christ. A lot of people get nervous about it, scared about it, right? Even believers, which, uh, you know, shots me, oh, you know, uh, the end times. Listen, 
I can understand why someone lost might get scared. I don't know why a believer would get scared if you're grounded in the word of God, right? And you understand the word of God. Why would you get scared? You ought to get excited, amen, at the thought of it being soon. You shouldn't get scared. Now, if you're not saved, right, you should be nervous or scared. Anybody remember getting scared? You know, they, they knew this maybe when they were a kid and they got scared. I remember uh, getting scared, one, uh, at least probably more than once, but at least one time. I was out in a park playing, and uh, all of a sudden a storm came up. We always got scared of a storm, like, oh, man, you know. For some reason, the thought of Jesus coming back came to my mind. And then I, I looked down the street, and there was a car running, and nobody was in it. I didn't think that, well, maybe they ran in the house because they forgot something. Oh, but, but, you know, the car was empty. I ran home and tried to call my grandma, Stuart. You always hear me talk. I knew if grandma was here, everything was good. Amen. 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 I hope that's the way my grandkids think at the Lord tears. Oh, if grandpa's home, everything's okay, right? Hope at least they, they think that. But listen, if you're, if you're not saved, you ought to be scared at the thought of Christ coming back. If you're not born again, you should, the, the thought that Christ could come back at any moment and you would be left behind if you're not saved. I hope that does scare you. I hope that does make you nervous. I hope that does make you worry that any moment, a bunch of us could disappear and you'd be sitting here alone and uh, not knowing uh, what to do. That ought to scare you. Now, think about that. Think about, I mean, just the thought of that happening, right? Uh, 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 you know, think about a mother. A mother, she goes in to check on her baby. She's not saved. The baby's gone. Boy, what a, what a, what a, what a sad thought that is. Or a father comes home. A father comes home. Maybe mom and, and the kids got saved. They went to church, but the father kept rejecting. He comes home one day from work. Family's gone. Or even a, a, a grandparent. Oh, man, uh, uh, on the way down to, 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 to go see the grandkids. But by the time he gets there, the grandkids are gone. What a, what a, what a sad thought and, and, and so many, so many other things. Well, I sure want to make sure I'm saved, you know, uh, if I'm on a plane. You know, you're like, like the word, one person got on a plane and, and they were all nervous and, and, and the person next to them tried to come and said, don't worry. If it's your time, it doesn't matter where you're at. You could be at home if it's your time. She said, I'm not worried about it. if it's my time. I'm worried about it if it's the pilot's time. Amen. Well, uh, just in case the pilot goes, amen, I want to be ready, amen, uh, for that. But here's the thing. God is preparing for Christ's return. God is preparing. You know, again, I think, I think about, you know, 30 years ago when I was in Germany and I was there when the Berlin Wall fell in Germany and all that stuff and seeing all that history taking place and knowing that that was part of thing, I think God preparing for the end times. I, I firmly believe that the Berlin Wall had to happen, right? Uh, uh, for all that to take place. So then uh, Jews could come out of Russia and get back. So all that stuff could happen. I don't want to get into all that, but I believe that that was part of God preparing. You say, but that was 30 years ago. Remember, time means nothing to God. Time means nothing to God. We've been going through 2 Peter chapter 3. And verse 8 of 2 Peter chapter 3 says this, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. Time means nothing to God. But understanding that time means nothing to God, knowing the word of God, we also understand that God is on a time schedule at the same hand. He is on a time schedule. Just like when Jesus Christ came the first time, right? We just celebrated Christmas when he came the first time, right? God had a schedule for that. Galatians 4.4 4 says this, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. Now think about that for a moment. 
When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. Now, how did he do at that time? Well, it says made of a woman, made under the law. Well, that's how he came that time when the fullness has come. And I believe God has a schedule. And you know what? And when the fullness of time has come again, then God's going to send forth his son again. It says when the fullness of time was come for his first coming, then he sent his son. And when the fullness of time has come for his second coming, then the father will send his son again. I think that, that verse gives a good thought. And before I get these verses, I want to look at a few things perhaps that line up with God's word in our day, unlike any other time in history that we know of. Now, I'm not going to make some prophecy, but I think we can look around us and see some things. You know, I'm not some, you know, I mean, I'm not that smart, so I got to keep stuff simple, right? But it's funny, as I was sitting there yesterday uh, going through uh, my routine, all, all these thoughts started coming to my mind. And, and this is one thing that came into my mind. And when we look around us in the world, what do we see? We see confusion. We see confusion. Well, speaking of confusion, it's interesting that the doctrine of Christ's return is one of the things that the devil likes to keep believers confused about. Pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. We already said where I, I firmly stand, amen, on that. But remember this, right before Christ's coming, the first time, like we mentioned, the world was what? In a time of confusion and being ordered around by the government. I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, we just, Luke, Luke 2 says this. I, I found this interesting. Never thought about it this way, but when I looked at this verse yesterday, it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. What? The whole world, in a uh, known world there, right, was being, uh, 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 was being uh, uh, commanded by the government, amen, to do something. And we're at a point again where the governments of the world, that all the world should do a thing. We're seeing that every day, right? All the governments of the world are commanding the people of the world to do certain things. Confusion. Let me give you some verses. James 3, verses 15 through 17 say this. James 3, verses 15 through 17 say this. The wisdom that, the, the, this wisdom, now there's a context there, but I'm going to begin in verse 15. Descendeth not from above but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Verse 16 of James 3, For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Confusion and every work. Boy, that's what we see in the world today. Confusion and every evil work. Verse 17, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. You see, the wisdom that, that, that doesn't come from above, that comes from the devil, that comes from the world, causes confusion. It's God's wisdom that brings peace. 1 Corinthians 14, says this, God is not the author of confusion. So when you see confusion... Right. You see that God is not in control there. Right. That the devil's in control. And of course, we know the Bible talks about spiritual wickedness in high places. Amen. And we certainly see that in the governments of the world. God is not the author of confusion. And what is confusion? Confusion means this. It means in these verses, it means it means uh, to be unstable. It means lack of order in society. It means distraction of the mind. Now think about that. Lack of order in society. Distraction of the mind. I think that's the big one right there. Distraction of the mind. Which the government 
and Satan like. They love when people's minds are distracted. Why does the government like it when uh, people's minds are distracted? Why does Satan like when the world, people's minds are distracted? Because it's what? Easier to control people. It's easier to control people, right? Get them emotion. When you have people emotionally stirred, when you have people confused, it's easier to control them. And in history, when did most dark leaders appear? In times of confusion in a particular country. But now, you see, when when was a country looking for a strong leader, right? Right? In the midst of confusion. And the world's in the midst of confusion. So they're going to be looking, what? For a strong leader, you know. And I look at these things as I'm not saying something's going to happen tomorrow. But but you got to remember, before God does something, he prepares for it. Just like what? Before Jesus was, he brought Jesus in Bethlehem, he prepared for it. He had the world stirred up so that uh, Joseph would end up in Bethlehem. There had to be a preparation for it. And before Jesus comes again, there has to be a what? A preparation in the peoples of the world for what God is going to do when he fulfills his word. And so there have, the people have to be in a state of confusion and instability so that they'll easily receive what, amen, uh, the devil throws before them. So one, I don't want to get caught up, but we see confusion. Another thing we see in the world, we see what is going on in the world of commerce, if you will. That's the way I put it. Look at Revelation. Revelation 13, Revelation 13. We'll jump in the middle of this right here. We'll jump in the middle. And it's talking about the, 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 the prophet and all these that are in control during the tribulation. Now, remember, this is during the tribulation. It says this, and he had power and he had power. So obviously he was in a strong position of leadership. He had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Look at this. And he causes, right? He has great power, both small and great. Look at this. Small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark. What? Small and great, rich and poor, free and bond. And what do we see? The governments of the world trying to get everybody. Nobody's exempt. Nobody's exempt of what the governments are trying to get people to do, to receive a mark in their right hand or their foreheads. And we know verse 17, why? And what happens if they don't do it? That no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Of course, we know verse 18, here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of man, and his number is 603 score and six. So we know 666. Well, we know that's the mark, right? We see this person was in a position of authority. Now, here's the thing. You know, uh, uh, everybody's talking, everybody's being forced to take the vaccine. Now, is that the mark? Of course, that's not the mark. But what, it, what we're seeing is a preparation in people's minds and the government of being able to make people do things. And if they don't do that thing, they can't what? Oh, well, you can't come into our store. You can't have a job. Where are we in America and the world when military people that have been faithful to their country are getting kicked out just because they won't take a shot? Where are we? You see, that shows, I mean, that's preparing the mind. And listen, when the government, when, when the military starts to fall in a country, that's when you know a country is in trouble. When the, when the, when the, uh, the military isn't standing up, amen, 
against leaders. And we know there has to be an order there. But you see, no, do I think, and there's a lot of conspiracy things about the shot. I don't get it. I'm sorry, I don't get into all that sidetracked by that because the point isn't the shot. The point is the powers preparing minds and hearts of people on a large scale, what? That, oh, if we don't do this, if we don't give into the government, we're not going to be able to buy or sell or eat or have a job. You see, there has to be a preparation. So I don't think this the shot is it by no means, but there must be a preparation, a mindset, a dumbing down and a wearing down of the people. That has to happen. That has to happen before the thing happens, right? You always prepare people for a big event, and the, 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 the government knows that, right? We all know the story of the, you know, the, the, the frog in the water, right? So I wouldn't get into all the conspiracy theories concerning the vaccine, again, because at the end of the, the, the day, the vaccine is not the main issue. It could be no different than any other. I'm not going to get into all that, all right? The issue, again, is the preparation and mindset of what the Bible says will happen one day, right? Of course, I don't expect to be there. But again, even before that happens, there has to be a preparation of the people and that mindset that, hey, if you, if you don't do this, if you don't listen, you're not going to be able to buy or sell, have a job. And where have we ever been in history, at least, right, on a worldwide scale where that, where that happened? And quickly, uh, this is all introduction. Then, is normally when you have a long introduction, you have a short message, but I have both, so I'm trying to hurry. So here, we see the world's ability, then we see the world's ability with communication. The world's ability with communication. Turn over to Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. It says this, verse 7 of Revelation chapter 11, And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them. And shall overcome them and kill them. Of course, it's talking about the, the prophets, right? During the tribulation, verse 8. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified, right? Jerusalem. Verse 9. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations. Look at this. The whole world, the whole world shall what? Shall see their dead bodies. The whole world's going to see their dead bodies when? Three days and a half. The whole world's going to see those bodies lie in the streets for three and a half days and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in the grave. Now, look at this. So one, what's one thing you see there? The whole world's going to see those bodies lay there on a three and a half day period. Secondly, what do you notice? And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another. Look at that. Send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. And after three and a half days and, half, and a half, the spirit of life from God entered them and they stood upon their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them. So look at this. Again, reminder, the whole world sees their bodies, right? And the whole world sends gifts one to another. Just a few decade, decades ago, this would have been impossible just a few decades ago. Now we think nothing about seeing something as it happens, right? Because we have CNN, Fox News, and all those things. Now we can see what's happening anywhere in the world. The whole world can see it at, at once. Let me tell you, I worked among uh, 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 gypsies, some of the poorest people in the world, but you go into those ghettos, they're going to have cable TV. They're going to know what's going on somewhere else in uh, the world. The whole world can see that. 
Listen, there's never been another time in history, right, except in our lifetime that the whole world has been able to see something going on at the same time. And then within a three and a half day period, I remember when FedEx, I think it was FedEx or one of them first came out, they showed how somebody was sending something to somebody in Europe on the ship, you know. Oh, wow, in only six months, Charles, I received this gift. Oh, my, thank God for ships, you know, something like that. And then something else, it got down to a few weeks. Now, you know, Amazon delivers stuff at the same day in some places, right? And so where, what other time period in history has everybody been able to see the same thing, right, happen at once? What other time in history has the world been able to send gifts anywhere in the world within a three-and-a-half-day period? I just think that's amazing. So you see, you see the world in confusion. You see the world, amen, uh, uh, in commerce that, hey, if you don't take this, you can't buy or sell. But you see, preparing the mind, preparing the mind. Now, again... Though we don't like living through what we're dealing with about, oh, am I going to have a job and this and that? Listen, but on, on the other hand, more, more than, than this should scare you or make you nervous, amen, it should, it, it, one, it should settle in your heart, amen, once again, the truth of the Word of God. This is the Word of God. This book came from God, and you see, how can anybody doubt, amen, that this is the Word of God? And that, listen, again, I've said it before, a, a person, a man personally can reject God, right? Man can reject God personally, but mankind cannot reject God prophetically. Amen. So you can do something to, to stop God working in your life personally, but mankind cannot stop God prophetically from fulfilling his word. And so God is going to fulfill his word. And look, and, and the more they fight against it, just like when Jesus was being crucified, right, as, as, uh, as uh, uh, Brother Wood showing us in, in the Sunday school class, the more they fight against God, the more they, they fall into his trap of fulfilling the word of God. And as the world's out there denying God and doing all these things and fighting against God, they're fulfilling, the more they are falling into the trap of fulfilling his word. So what I'm saying, am I trying to put a time? No, I'm just trying to show you, amen, again, that this is the word of God. And he is the God of the word. And we can rejoice, amen, that we live in unprecedented times. Unprecedented. I know people say, yeah, could he have come anytime? Yes. But again, there's never been another time period in history, right, when the whole world, we've seen the whole world in conflict, but we've never seen it in such confusion. Where you had, to, where, where they were determining whether you could have commerce based upon something you did, listening to the government, and whether the whole world could see something happen at the same time. You can't get away from the Word of God. I'll stop there. That was introduction. But let's get back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I've got 10 minutes to finish the next five pages. All right. Why was that funny? Verse 17, again, notice. Then we which are alive and remain shall be what? Caught up together. Notice that phrase, caught up, caught up. The phrase caught up. That is why we use the word rapture, right? Rapture. You know, now listen, I hear people say the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, I'm glad you know how to use a concordance, right? Or your Bible software, whatever it is, right? Yeah, no, no. The word rapture is not in the Bible, but the teaching is. But on the other hand, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but the triune God 
is in the Bible. Listen, I think about this. God is not mentioned in the book of Esther. But you cannot deny, amen, God is in the story of Esther, right? So uh, just because, you know, don't get caught up in people's little phraseology and all that stuff. And, you know, people try to, well, you know, it's, it's not. Yes, the teaching is. And let, let's talk about that for a second. Don't let people get you sidetracked. The Bible is clear about Jesus coming and the teaching of what we call the rapture. Now, what does the word rapture mean? It means to grasp or lay hold on, to take possession of with great force and through a strong action or motion, right? Uh, to pull out, right? Just like, uh, 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 you know, if you were standing on the, if you were standing on the, uh, on the street and all of a sudden your, your kid went to jump out in the street and a car was coming, you would snatch him back quickly, right? Amen. You, you would, you would, you would pull him back. Think of, think of that thought. So that is, that's, that's what is meant by the phrase caught up, which you see mentioned to or alluded to several times, uh, in the Bible. You see, the word rapture explains how we will be caught up. Let me give you several verses that use the, use the thought of being caught up or caught away. Acts 8.39, right, where, where, where Philip is with the Ethiopian eunuch. And then, of course, after he baptized him, it says this in verse 39 of Acts 8. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. The Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, right? And he saw him no more. Right. And he saw him no more. That's what's going to happen to us. The spirit of God is going to catch us away. Amen. And they'll see us no more, if you will. Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse two. Paul said, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell whether out of the body, I cannot tell such an one way caught up to the third heaven. Now, turn over to Revelations 12, because this is a this is a good uh, a, a verse here. It says this Revelations 12, five. It says, and she brought forth, Revelation 12, 5, she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Look at this. And her child will look at that, caught up unto God and to his throne. That's what's going to happen to us, amen. We're going to be caught up unto God and his throne. Again, that word caught up means to take something to oneself, to take something to oneself. And that's what God's going to do when he comes back. He's going to take us to himself. It means to snatch away. What's interesting, I thought this was interesting, that same word is used for stealing. It's used for robbery, which I think is kind of interesting because we know the Bible says he'll come as a thief in the night. And that same term of being caught up is used, right? To snatch away is also used in stealing or robbery, right? You go in and you snatch something away, right? Before you get caught, right? Before somebody sees you. And so that's what's going to happen when the Lord comes back. One of the best types of the rapture, of course, is, is Elisha. Elisha. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 and 11, it says this, and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven, what? By a whirlwind, that Elijah went up with Elijah from Gilgal. Verse 11 of 2 Kings 2. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and part of them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. You see, Elijah was caught up. He was snatched away by a strong gale of wind, which is likened to a great work of the Holy Spirit. Remember when uh, Acts 2, like a, a, mushing, righty, uh, a rushing mighty wind came in, it says. 
But here, here's what I thought was found interesting. If you read a few verses down, what happened after uh, Elisha went up and Elisha took the mantle and he went back across the river and who was standing there? Those sons of the prophets, right? Those modernists, those liberals, right? That's what they were. It's interesting that the religious ones, they were always doubting and questioning the true believers. Remember uh, every time uh, Elijah said he was going to follow Elisha? Know you not that uh, God's going to take the head of your master today? And, he, you know, and uh, Elisha, I always like what Elisha said. He'd say, hold ye your peace, right? Which is a gentleman's way of saying, shut up and mind your own business. Right. That's what he said. Right. Mind your own business. But, but they were always questioning what God was doing. But it's interesting that the religious ones and those that were always doubting and questioning the true believers try to come up with an explanation of what happened. Remember, they try to come up with an explanation of what happened. Right. Just like it's what's going to happen when we get called out. They're going to try and come up with an explanation. Verse 16 of Second Kings 2 says this. And they said unto him, behold, now there be with thy servants 50 strong men. Let them go, we pray and seek thy master. Lest peradventure the spirit of the Lord had taken him up and cast him up on some mountain or into the valley. And he said, ye shall send. Ye shall not send. Of course, he lets them go and they don't find him. What they're saying is, let's go see if there's another explanation of what happened. Amen. And that's what's going to happen. When we get called out. They're going to try and come up with another explanation. But of course, they're going to search and find out, hey, that must have really happened. Just like uh, the, 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 they said it was going to. So quickly, three minutes to get through the rest of the verses. But notice verse 13. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. So thank God it is not that we do not sorrow. Remember that. It's okay to sorrow when a loved one dies. It's just that we don't sorrow as others. We sorrow with hope still in our heart. We sorrow because we love that one, right? In other words, we might say it this way. We sorrow in the moment, but at the same time, we realize any moment we could be reunited with them. Amen. So when sorrow happens, when that death happens, we sorrow in the moment, but yet in our heart, because we know the word of God, even though we're sorrowing in the moment, we realize that any moment, amen, if Jesus should come, we can be reunited with that loved one. So verse 14 says what? For if we believe that Jesus died, and that's the key, if we believe Jesus makes all the difference, whether it's death that happens in your family, whether it's anything that happens in your life, the difference of how you're able to respond is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's going to make the difference when sorrow and heartache comes into your life is, first of all, do you know the Savior? And two, is your relationship what it ought to be? with the Savior. You see, Jesus is coming again. And when you realize that, when you believe that, you see, once you believe in who Christ is, and once you believe what he's done for you, you'll have no problem believing anything else written in God's word. You see, one day I believe that Jesus died for me, shed his blood for me, was buried and rose again the third day for me. And that day I was born again in the family of God. And that day I became a Bible believer. And that because I believe in what Jesus did for me, I have no problem believing that Jesus created everything in this universe in six 24-hour days. I have no problem believing that. I have no problem believing the universe universal flood. 
I have no problem believing that all these other things written in the word of God. I have no problem believing what's going to happen during the end times. I have no problem believing anything in the word of God because I, first of all, believed in the God of the word. And that helped me become a believer of the word of God. So I have no question. You see, in the fact that Jesus is coming again, believing this, it makes a difference in my life. It should make a difference in your life. It should make a difference in your home, and then it should make a difference in our church because we believe this, we respond differently. Verse 15 and 16 say, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, thank God, unto the coming Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Uh, asleep. Verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Notice the statement, we which are alive and remain, thank God. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to know that some people sitting here, some people sitting here may be among those that are alive and remain when Jesus comes again. What a wonderful thought that is. Verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Verse 18, trying to finish up here, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And let's focus on that for a minute, comfort. See, the thought that we should ever be with the Lord. You see, it's not just that he's coming back. Amen. That's not the comfort. The comfort isn't that Jesus is coming again. Jesus coming again opens the door to the comfort that we'll ever be with the Lord. That's where the comfort is. You see, our hope is not that Jesus is just that Jesus is coming again. Our hope is that we'll ever be with the Lord. Amen. Once he comes again. So him coming again is not the hope. That just opens the door to the hope, amen, that, hey, this is the day we'll ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.10 says, who, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. And that's the great thing. Whether alive or dead, it is coming. Here's the main thing. The end result is the same. We're reunited and will ever be with the Lord. Verse 11 of 1 Thessalonians 5 again uses the word comfort. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Now, where, how do we find comfort? Well, we find comfort, the comfort of rest. You see, those that are asleep. You see, the body is just sleeping and one day it's going to come out of there. Remember that. And, and I thought this was interesting. The word cemetery. Do you know what the word cemetery means? It means a sleeping place. <laughs> I thought that was pretty interesting. That the word cemetery, look up, the, study the word cemetery. Now, it'll tell you what it is. Don't just look up what it is. Look up what it means. And the word cemetery means a sleeping place. You see, you see, it must have been founded by a Christian because he said, hey, this is where we put the bodies that are sleeping till he comes back. Amen. So remember, we're going. So next time say, hey, where are we going? We're going to the sleeping place. We're going to put this body so it can sleep here until Jesus comes again. So next time you have to maybe bury a loved one, don't just think of a cold cemetery. Say, hey, I'm taking mama, I'm taking daddy, I'm taking whoever. I'm taking them to the sleeping place so their body can sleep until Jesus comes again. You see, there's comfort in that thought. A thought of a cold cemetery, that's not too comforting. But the thought of, amen, mama's in a sleeping place. Daddy's in a sleeping place till Jesus comes again. That brings comfort. 
comfort, the comfort of reunion, amen, that we'll see our loved ones and we'll ever be with the Lord. And again, the comfort of remaining. So when you look at the thought of Jesus coming again, amen, there's comfort in the rest to know that they're just, that body's just sleeping. There's comfort in the reunion that we'll see our loved ones again. And there's comfort in the remaining that from that point on, we'll remain with the Lord and we'll be wherever he is. So you see, no matter what's going on in life, these truths should encourage us. You see, because the word comfort means what? To encourage. It means to help. It means to console. It means to make glad and rejoice. And so even in death, that hope that's in our heart. When we look at the Word of God, no matter what we're facing, amen, we can be encouraged, we can find help, we can be consoled, and we can be glad, amen, and rejoice, even in that situation of the hope of Jesus coming again. Just like just like Peter found, found, found comfort in the words of Jesus when he just told him, hey, Peter, you're going to mess up. But let not your heart be troubled. Amen. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Amen. If it were not so, I would have told you. Think about that. God, listen, not only would God not lie, God cannot lie. Amen. Not only he would not lie, he cannot lie. So if he says, he said, I would have told you. If he told us, it's going to happen. Amen. I will come again and receive you unto myself. Why? That where I am, there you may be also, so that you may ever be with me. Receive you unto myself. Again, don't let your heart be troubled with all that's going on in the world today. Don't get caught up in all this stuff. Don't let this stuff worry you. Be comforted. Be comforted. Because like he, they told them, when, when Jesus was ascending there in Acts 1, their heart began to be troubled. And they said, hey, don't let your heart be troubled. This same Jesus in like manner will come. What do you mean in like manner? He's going to come personally. He's going to come bodily. He's going to come in the air and he's going to come before your eyes, believers. Amen. In like manner, he's going to come. So again, our hope is not just in the second coming of Christ, but in the Christ of the second coming. So what a wonderful thing. Thank God for a pre-tribulation rapture, a getting caught up. So you see, here's what's going to happen. Before the rapture, he's going to come for us. But thank God after the rapture, he's going to come with us. Amen. Because we're going to be with him. From that point on, wherever he is. So the excitement isn't just being in heaven. When he's in heaven, I want to be in heaven. But if he's not in heaven, I don't want to be in heaven. If he's on earth, I want to be on earth. Amen. I want to be where he is. Let's finish up here with the word of God. Turn to Revelation 22 and we'll finish up here. Revelation 22. Look at how the word of God ends. How exciting how the word of God ends. Revelation 22. We'll read verses 17 through 20 of Revelation 22 as we finish up. It says this, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of the, this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Now, verse 20, he which testifieth these things says, surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come. Lord Jesus. Look at how he ends his beloved book. He ends it with an invitation. Verse 17, an invitation. Come. 
Verses 18 and 19, he ends it with words of warning about its inspiration. This is an inspired book. Don't mess with it. And then he ends verse 20 with words of preparation. Amen. I'm coming. Be ready. I'm coming. Be ready. So think about this. Amen. God has many promises in his book. And what is the last promise? The last promise in the Bible is, surely I come quickly. There's many prayers recorded in the Word of God. We love to read the prayers that are recorded in the Word of God. But what's the last prayer in the Word of God? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. The last promise in the Word of God is, I come. The last prayer in the Word of God is, even so, come. Boy, how comforting is that? So my friends, as we start out this new year, no matter what lies ahead this year, even if it's just more confusion like the last two, we as children of God can find comfort no matter the circumstances because of the great truth, the great doctrine of Christ and his pre-tribulation return. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Let's pray.